Hi, I'm Neil Patel, host of Decoder, my show about big ideas and other problems. Right now on Decoder, we're doing a mini-series about one of the biggest ideas that's creating some of the biggest problems around, generative AI. Our series dives deep into some of the most pressing issues surrounding generative AI, with expert Verge reporters covering the cutting-edge frontier of the industry. How could copyright lawsuits completely upend large language models and image generators? How big a problem is AI-generated misinformation for the 2024 election? And what kind of impact are AI chatbots having on human relationships? Decoder's AI series will help you understand what's going on, why, and where it might go from here. Tune in every Monday and Thursday for new episodes of Decoder wherever you get your podcasts. And welcome in. This is the very first edition, the pilot episode, if you will, of the AFC West mixtape. Now, there have been some rumblings that this is a stolen idea, but I'm telling you it is not. Why is that? Because I've never seen a mixtape on the SB Nation NFL Network that will include each and every team in the division, every episode. That's what we have going on right here. So, in the AFC West, we, of course, have the Kansas City Chiefs, represented by me, Pete Sweeney, the editor-in-chief of ArrowheadPride.com. We have Mile High Report, representing the Broncos, Tim Lynch. Tim, how are we doing today? Pretty good. Good, good. We have Bill Williamson. He represents the Raiders and, and Silver and Black Pride. How you doing, Bill? Pete, thanks for having me. This is going to be fun. And, of course, Bolts from the Blue, Michael Peterson. Mike, you've done a nice job filling in for me here and there on Monday Football Monday when I was out at Chiefs training camp, so I appreciate that. You'll be representing the L.A. Chargers, of course. Yeah, dude, I'm stoked. I, I thought this was a great <laughs> idea a while ago. You know, the the other mixtape that SB Nation does, is, I think it's just such a phenomenal idea, and the fact that we were able to get together like this, I just think it's huge. Yeah, so let's go around the, the room here in a second and allow the, the other SB Nation sites to, to get to know each other a little bit. This is a, a very unique concept, right? Because naturally, these teams don't like each other. But what this mixtape will accomplish is you being able to get to know your rivals a little bit better as we talk through these things. Uh, this show will come out on your feed the last Friday of every month. Now, I know what you're thinking. Okay, Pete, it's the first Thursday of the month. Why is it coming out today? We're doing a special thing for the, the first pilot episode here. But as we go on, again, it'll be the last Friday of every month. The AFC West Mixtape will review the month, get some insight on what's going on with the other teams around the division. It's not every week that you're going to be playing division games. So you'll be able to catch up on what's going on with the other teams each and every Friday, again, at the end of the month. Tim, uh, I'll, to introduce yourself to the Chiefs, and the Raiders and Chargers community. Uh, just tell us a little bit about Mile High Report, how long you've been been there, and, and what you like about the Broncos this season just in general. Uh, yeah, I mean, I've joined Mile High Report uh, in 2007. I've been there just talking it up for, gosh, 15 years. Um, pretty close with um, have a lot of history with Arrowhead Pride especially. Uh, the community there is very uh, active, and they enjoy <laughs> the friendly banter. So... I think my uh, my my profile avatar on on the site was actually made by a Chiefs fan. Uh, so, you know, I've had fun with you guys <laughs> over there over the years. Um, yeah, it's far... been a it's been a fun it's been a fun rivalry. I'm, I'm sure after a couple of years here, you're very excited about the upcoming season in particular, though. Oh yeah, I don't think I've 
gone to Arrowhead Pride more than three times in the last six years. <laughs> it's just not it's not a fun place to be right now. But we got Russell Wilson, big contract extension. Um, so we're, we're excited. We're, we feel like the Broncos are back, and, and the AFC West is probably one of the best divisions I've ever seen in my 43 years. So I'm pretty excited. Yeah, I think that's the, the theme here. And, of course, you never want to see your rivals thrive, but rivalries can only exist – when the teams are competitive and i really think we have a division here where and i think of the way it stacks up is would you really be completely shocked if if any team won first place like completely and utterly shocked and i i just don't think that's the case anymore even though the chiefs have dominated but i think the division the division has built up and built up and built up and it's going to be highly competitive this year uh the nfl is better when the chiefs broncos have a, a legitimate rivalry and I, I i certainly think that'll be the case with the upgraded quarterback with russ wilson all right, Bill, let's continue with you. Just an introduction for yourself to some of the other sites here. Hey, everybody. I'm Bill Williamson. I've been at SB Nation for two and a half years. I'm the site manager, editor of the Silver and Black Pride. Um, yeah, well, you know, we were talking about this is the first mixtape with everybody in the division. I was thinking, well, it, it should be because this is probably on paper the best division in NFL history, at least on paper. You know, the games yeah. are going to play themselves out. But I think every matchup between these four teams is going to be just unreal both times. So we're going to see some really compelling football. And if you look at the, uh, you know, the primetime games, that's reflected. There's a lot of intra AFC West games on primetime. So it's going to be fun. You know, I've, I'm older than you guys. I've been covering NFL for a long time. It's going to be my 26th year. So I've actually covered each team, it's more sad than uh, congratulatory, Michael. But anyway, <laughs> um, I'm, I've covered each team. I covered the, you know, obviously I've covered the Raiders, but I covered. I worked at a company in the past where I covered the AFC West. So I've covered. I, I covered the Broncos at the Denver Post. So you know, I've seen this nice. division, and it's the best I've ever seen it. So I'm really excited to be part of this and with you guys. This is. I've said this before, and uh, this this has been the highlight of my career being here. So. Um, let's get it, let's do it, and, and, and really take SB Nation to the next level. Yeah, Bill, we're excited to have certainly your experience here at SB Nation covering the Raiders, and then, of course, right here on the AFC West Mixtape. If there's ever a point where us youngins don't know what the hell we're talking about, be sure to stop me, and we'll make sure that we, we get taught, taught a lesson there. All right, Mike, let's continue with you, and just an introduction for the rest of, of the division here to, to learn a little bit about you. Yeah, I uh, I don't really want to follow what Bill did. That rallying cry was just something else, and it's got me, you know, <laughs> feeling all warm and fuzzy inside. Uh, but yeah, so I've been at uh, I've been full time with SB Nation for two and a half years. Um, I was with Bolts in the Blue, either in you know a voluntary uh, part time role for uh, you know two to three years before that. So extremely lucky to be here. Extremely lucky to um, be able to, to to write about and cover a team that. Um, you know, you care so much about. Um, but yeah, I am the managing editor at Bolts from the Blue. Um, we, you know, just like everybody else, we try to build a community around a team that we are passionate about. Um, this mm-hmm. division is, man, it's something else because like as great as it seems to be uh, a Chargers fan right now, you know, we've had some down years. We've been pretty inconsistent um, over the last, let's just call it 10 years or so. And the Chargers went out, obviously you got this guy named Justin Herbert, and then they finally did right by him by spending big time money on big time players. So it's a good time. There's a lot to be excited about, but at the end of the day, the kind of catches the rest of the division went out and did the same thing, right? Right. There's ebbs and flows from year to year where some of the top teams kind of come back down and the teams at the bottom come back up and they try to catch each other during these movements to try to overtake each other. 
And, you know, the Chargers seemed like that team that could really go from third to, you know, first this year. But it's like the Chiefs are still the Chiefs. The Raiders and Broncos did their thing to 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 raise all ships, you know, within this division. So it's like, how good do you feel about your team going all in when the entire division has gone all in? So like kind right. of Bill talked about, it's going to be an incredible uh, year within this division. People thought the NFC West the past two years was good. I don't think they've seen anything yet. Well, I think the annoying thing, and this is for all the fans in the division, I think this is where everyone can relate and, and come to terms here, you know, fans of AFC West teams, is you drop any of these teams in any other division in the AFC, you're looking probably at a floor of second place and making the playoffs at least as a wild card for sure, and there's just no guarantees because I think all these teams are going to be beaten, beating up on each other, and so you're right. I, I think it is the the best division in the league for sure. And, and Bill, to your point, I think it could be the best division in NFL history. For the other sites who don't know me that well, again, uh, my name is Pete Sweeney, the editor-in-chief of Arrowhead Pride. I've been covering the Chiefs for nine years, five years with SB Nation. So you know a little bit uh, about us. Let's get into the conversations here. And Tim, we'll snake back to you and go to the under-the-radar players for the Denver Broncos this year. Each of us will take a turn. And what this is allowing the other fans in the division to learn is a little bit about lesser known players that maybe we should be paying more attention to ahead of the NFL season. So, Tim, start us off. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it comes down to speed with the Broncos. Uh, when when they went through the cuts uh, on Tuesday, uh, I was a little surprised that some of the players they let go in favor of the smaller, speedier wide receivers. Um, in fact, we have the Broncos have three players now that have just elite speed and you've got KJ Hamler's coming back from injury. He's probably going to be uh, the guy that we're, they'd be looking to take the top off the defense, but you got two rookies that I think are once less under the radar than the other, but uh, Montreal Washington is a guy to look for, especially in the kick return game. Um, and I think, I think you're going to see a lot of, um, offensive scheming around speed and and the other guys undrafted rookie Jalen Virgil who I was completely shocked he made the roster I thought with with Hamler and, and Washington already pretty much secure I didn't see that they would keep a third uh, speed guy and they did so I think that's something all all the AFC West, West teams are gonna have to keep an eye out on yeah and then what about the defensive side of the ball for the Broncos uh, there is one guy that I want to mention and that's Baron Browning uh, he made the switch from inside line, inside linebacker to uh, edge rusher. Uh, he's behind both Bradley Chubb and Randy Gregory uh, at at that position, but you know neither of those guys have have played a full season since 2018. So, you know, while we hope they they're healthy all year long, uh, having a guy like Baron Browning who absolutely dominated preseason, uh, he looks he looks legit. So I'm I'm excited about him. I want to see him play as much as possible. Um, you know, back in 2015, behind Von Miller and Demarcus Ware, they had a guy named Shaquille Barrett uh, mm -hmm. who came in and and w was really good, and he went on to have a great career with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So, um, I I'm really high on Baron Baron Browning. I'd keep an eye on him. So the under the radar players in Denver is the speedy wide receiver unit, maybe faster than anyone is giving it credit for, and then Baron Browning, the linebacker the players to watch when it comes to under the radar. All right, Bill, we're going to go to, to Las Vegas now and find out who the under the radar players are on offense and defense for the Las Vegas Raiders. Well, you know, I, I have a couple honorable mentions, uh, but I think the guy on offense, the guy to look at is Zamir White, the fourth round pick from Georgia. 
a -hmm. running back. Um, If you look at Josh McDaniel's history in New England, they use a lot of running backs every year. And, you know, and, and about the fourth round is where they start looking. They about 24 hours before they drafted him, they announced that they weren't going to exercise Josh Jacobs fifth year option in 2019, 24 overall pick. So that makes him a free agent next year. And that probably makes him going into his last year with the Raiders. Sure. Anything can happen, but they drafted, they drafted white in the fourth round. They drafted Britton Brown in the seventh round at UCLA. They both made the team white got a lot of carries in the preseason. He fits this offense. And I think, I'm not saying Josh Jacobs is going to the bench, but I think they're both going to get a lot of carries and we're going to see White a lot this year. So attention, fantasy players. He could be a sleeper pick for some folks. And yeah, then- don't, don't, Bill, not to cut you off, but don't be too proud if you're a Chargers, Chiefs, or Broncos fan. Certainly. You heard a fantasy gem right there. If you have a deep league, if you have a dynasty league, go and go make ahead. sure that, that you have Zamir White. All right, continue with your honorable mentions on offense, right? You said you Money has no heart. You know that. Especially gambling legal everywhere. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then a couple of my honorable mentions is Lester Cotton at guard, but I'm gonna talk later why he's not the guy, I think. And then um on defense, I'm gonna go with Divine Diablo, second a year linebacker who was uh, a college safety of Virginia Tech, took a while to get going last year, was hurt. And then came in and flashed and made a lot of plays in the for mm. the last the last regime. I think he's going to fit this regime because Patrick Graham likes it to be a very multiple, lots of different um, alignments. And I think Divine Diablo is a guy that we will see Patrick Graham take advantage of. I don't know if he's going to be on the field 60, 70 percent of the time, but I say at least 40. And, and he's a guy that can make some plays. So watch out for him. I think he's a player that uh, – can really, you know, help a, a defense that has a lot of potential. Well, there you have it. Those are the under-the-radar under, under the radar players to watch in Vegas. We have White, the running back, and then Diablo on defense. Very cool name. I mean, you can't yeah. get away from that name. All pro that, name. That is a, a perfect name if you're a Raiders fan to put on the back uh, of your jersey, especially if you're looking for a, a young player. So he's someone to watch in these division games mike will continue with you the under the radar offense uh, offensive player the under the radar defensive player in la on the chargers side yeah i think a good choice here for the chargers because i mean they've got a plethora of playmakers so i feel like you kind of got to go deep a little bit and let's go with i think what's going to be their wide receiver five and deandre carter uh mm. former philadelphia eagle played with the texans for a bit really hasn't done much offensively in, during his time in the NFL. He's been mainly a special teams contributor, being a return guy, and he's going to help out the Chargers there as well. I was just surprised to see how much hype and how much, I guess, news was surrounding Carter uh, in training camp. I mean, this guy it was popped up a lot, especially in red zone drills. Uh, I mean, you had another guy who's super shifty. You can kind of get open and create separation in these small spaces. There's a place for you on a team where Justin Herbert's your quarterback and he's able to right. fire the, the ball in such small holes, you know, that a lot of other quarterbacks, you know, wouldn't even fathom trying to do so i'm really excited about him you know people are going to be double teaming mike williams uh keenan allen there's a place for carter to come in and carve out some sort of a role um he did have a career high last year it was only like 296 uh receiving yards but did have the first three touchdowns of his nfl career on offense i just think you know there's something there with carter i really like him 
And then defensively, uh, Braden Fajoko, man, this guy beat out Christian Covington, the veteran, uh, to make the initial 53-man roster. He's in his third year after being an undrafted player out of LSU. This guy was a former five-star high school prospect, started at Texas Tech, ended up at LSU, and played a rotational role there for, you know, the eventual national champions. And, man, I'll tell you what, he's an up-and-coming run stopper. He's a good run defender, um, very under the radar in terms of that as well. It was a small sample size, but this past season, he was actually number one in run stop win rate, and I think the guy right behind him is now his teammate in Sebastian Joseph Day. Austin Johnson, I want to say, was top 15, top 18 as well. I mean, so in terms of just upgrading the run defense, they did that by signing some new players, the Chargers did, but being able to to realize how talented Fajoko is and how he can help that unit that was – I mean, let's face it, it was a dumpster fire last year at the bottom of the NFL in terms of of stopping the run. So to not only add new names, but to develop an in-house product who is getting better and better at that specific area, I think is huge. So I think he's going to have a big year um, in a rotational role for the Chargers. So there you go for Hoko and then another fantasy gem there. Maybe maybe Carter towards towards the maybe, back end. Maybe, maybe maybe not maybe, as much as Amir White, but we'll maybe just maybe your dynasty. Yeah, maybe your dynasty uh, alert there. Okay, so you guys have given your under the radar players. I'll go with mine for Kansas City. To me, the offensive player to watch that I think is going to be lesser known league wide is tight end Jody Fortson. Not so much on a yardage thing right now for Fortson because I just think there are too many mouths to feed but this was a player who suffered a season-ending injury last year to uh, his knee and he ended up with five receptions of those receptions two of them were for touchdowns and in his preseason game he had two touchdowns as well in the red zone so while Travis Kelsey is getting all that attention, if Andy Reid goes heavy and Jody Fortson happens to be on the other side on the field, I think that's another big body for Patrick Mahomes who's going to get targets there. <laughs> Talking about fantasy football, I don't know if it's a guy that you could play like in redraft leagues, but if you do the DFS thing and you have about 1200 bucks left or whatever it's, it's going to cost, I think Fortson's certainly going to be a red zone target. And who knows if he can develop here. Travis Kelsey's getting up there eventually at some point here. Travis Kelsey's not going to be as effective and you wonder if Fort's in and then there's another tight end named Noah Gray who has upside as well. So I think those are just under the radar guys because around the league and certainly around a division, everyone's always talking about Travis Kelsey and for good reason, but Fort's in is a really interesting player behind him. And I, I, I would wonder out loud about a situation where Kelsey wasn't on the team. I know that's weird to think in Kansas city, but let's say Fortson was with another team in the league. I think he'd be vying for top tight end snaps. I think he looks that good. So under the radar for me, tight end Jody Fortson, and then on defense, I think that that and this is more of a, a closet pick for what could be in in the mix for defensive rookie of the year. George Karloftis, the number 30 overall pick, had a really, really strong preseason. All we heard was about his motor and how that he gets after the quarterback. And, I, you know, I'm not afraid to say this. The Chiefs probably have the worst pass rushing unit in the division. But this is a good sign for them, because if they can hit on one of these rookies and he can contribute uh, in year one, I think it's going to be huge for Kansas City. And, and it's not something that usually happens. But for me, it's just a so far so good thing. George Karloftis, for all the fans that didn't like him, I think have come around. And those that did like him right away have um, been sort of confirmed as to what they saw in the preseason. Now, we'll see if that translates to the regular season when they, they play the Cardinals week one. But for me, it's it's Jody Fortson, the tight end. And then uh, the edge player at the defensive end in, in George Karloftis out of Purdue at number 30. Hi, I'm Neil Patel, host of Decoder, my show about big ideas and other problems. 
Right now on Decoder, we're doing a mini-series about one of the biggest ideas that's creating some of the biggest problems around, generative AI. Our series dives deep into some of the most pressing issues surrounding generative AI, with expert Verge reporters covering the cutting-edge frontier of the industry. How could copyright lawsuits completely upend large language models and image generators? How big a problem is AI-generated misinformation for the 2024 election? And what kind of impact are AI chatbots having on human relationships? Decoder's AI series will help you understand what's going on, why, and where it might go from here. Tune in every Monday and Thursday for new episodes of Decoder wherever you get your podcasts. Support for this episode comes from Viator. Sure, a good souvenir is always fun, but it's the experiences that people love the most about traveling. When you get back home, that t-shirt might fade and that snow globe might break, but it's those once-in-a-lifetime memories that will last. Viator is a website and app where you can book travel experiences like architectural sightseeing, snorkeling excursions, sunset cruises, and so much more. With Viator, you can reserve everything from simple tours to thrilling adventures with over 300,000 bookable experiences in 190 countries. Whether you're a foodie, a history buff, or an adrenaline junkie, there's something for everyone. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you can have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. When you book a travel experience with Viator, there's always flexibility and support with free cancellation, payment options, and 24-7 service. Make memories that will last forever with Viator. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. All right, we are moving forward to the next part of our podcast, and we're going to talk about your guy. And for this, we're going to go back around the room and we're going to snake back now and go Chargers, Raiders, and then Broncos. But what we're looking for is, man, other people might not be on this guy. Maybe there's some disagreement in your community, but you just have a feeling. Because sometimes your gut is a, a better thing to go by than any numbers, any PFF grades, and so on and so forth. So... Mike, we'll go back to you as we're talking Chargers here. Who is your guy, your way too early guy for the 2022 season? You know, I don't know how like under wraps this guy is because he had a pretty good preseason showing and he did some pretty good things as, as a rookie last year. But uh, a second year whiteout Josh Palmer, man, he's got it. If there's anything that you can, you know make tangible about like what it is when you watch a player just kind of out there playing football. Josh Palmer's got it, man. I mean, it's whether it's like, you know, taking a short pass, to, uh, you know, for some extra yards because you can make a man slip and that just looks natural the way he's able to sidestep or the way he's able to kind of like contort his body to make really tough catches over defenders or balls thrown behind him. He just looks like such a natural at the position uh, this past season. I think he had around 350 yards receiving as a rookie, I think around three touchdowns. And I, I think why there might be some 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 conflict here about you know his future, how soon it's going to come, his breakout with the Chargers is that obviously they have Keenan Allen and they have Mike Williams, but you can't pay two receivers you know roughly twenty dollars, twenty million dollars, excuse me, a year yeah. a piece for like that long in the NFL, right? Like at some point this team's gonna have to move, someone's gonna have to move on, money's gonna be moved around. And let's just say, you know, Mike Williams has three years left. So Keenan Allen, maybe he's only here for another year or two. Uh, I really think Josh Palmer is going to step in and be the guy with Mike Williams just as much as Keenan Allen has been. You know, I don't know if it's going to be a walking 100 catches, 1,000 receiving yards, 
But I mean, a thousand yards, definitely more than six touchdowns, which is like the only number Keenan Allen can hit in the touchdown category for some reason, five of the last six years, Mr. Consistency here. But I mean, Palmer's just got it, man. I don't know how else to explain it. He's just a complete wide receiver, can beat deep. His best film in college when he was at Tennessee was against Bama, was against Georgia. I mean, it was incredible. He knows how to succeed, excuse me, against the best competition. And I think that's going to translate really well to the NFL. So far, so good on Palmer, at least in his first year. Yeah, for some of those days when maybe the Chiefs are playing late and I'm watching Red Zone, it does seem like Palmer's name comes up a lot on these deep throws that maybe you would see from a Russ Wilson or a Mahomes or a Rodgers. And you, Herbert certainly has that in his repertoire as well. And and Palmer comes down with it. Like, I, you know, MVS came to the Chiefs in the offseason and you'd watch these these deep ball throws with Rodgers and him in Green Bay. And a lot of times it, it didn't work out. So, I don't know, my initial reaction when the Chiefs signed MBS is like, we'll see. How, how he does yep. with Patrick Mahomes, but I don't know. It, again, I don't follow the Chargers as closely as you do week in and week out, but it always seems like he's coming down with those balls, and that's important when you got a, a guy like Justin Herbert who has the arm talent mm. that he has. So your guy is Palmer. Bill will continue. Who is your guy in Vegas? Yeah, again, I don't think this is a completely exotic pick. I don't want to, you know, like, oh, my God, he said that guy, but I want it <laughs> to be right, and I want it to be a guy who's yeah. actually going to contribute um, I think a third round pick Dylan Parham is going to be in the mix, you know, probably at guard. He's a, he's a guard center. I think they like him as a potential center down the road, but they have Andre James as well. And he's the starter right now and he's certainly serviceable, but Dylan Parham is a guy who is basically the swing guard center right now. And the guard situation is looking like it's lesser cotton and John Simpson but if Cotton, who's, you know, really kind of who's been around a few years, hasn't mm-hmm. established himself yet, if he doesn't take a man's this chance, I think they put in Parham. And I'll just go ahead and predict. I think Parham's going to be the starter for most of the year. He was very wow. smooth um, in the preseason. I think he fits this system. You know, he's kind of the anti-Alex Leatherwood for this system, you know. Um, and I think, you know, He's again, it's just been smooth transition for him. He looks like he belongs. I think he's going to be a guy who's going to be a starter in the league. I don't know if he's going to be a pro bowler, but I think he's going to be a starter in the league for quite a while. Bill, you are really showing those 20 plus years of experience going in the trenches for your guy. Like that's where football begins and and calling your shot there that he's going to be starting a number of games for the Raiders in 2022. I like I like the the boldness of the pick. Cool, man. Yeah, he just I, they like him. That's more important than me like them. You know? <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. All right, Tim, we'll continue with you. Uh, who's your guy in Denver for 2022? I'm going outside the trenches on mine. Uh, there, to... Okay, that that's good. <laughs> <laughs> Former first round pick, actually, uh, Jerry Judy. Um, you know, he's had a pretty good um, rookie season. Uh, had a few drops. Uh, the problem that I have. Uh, with with fans and, and they're attributing they attributed more drops to him last year than than he actually had I think he only had one that was actually credited to him but he's open all the time and the, the quarterback situation in Denver as you well know mm-hmm. wasn't great and <laughs> when you when you're re-watching the games and you're, you're you're watching that tape and you just see him beating his guy all day long and he just never gets targeted I think that changes this year. Uh, Justin Simmons uh, was was asked which player uh, throughout camp surprised him the most, and he actually named Jerry Judy, uh, saying he's like a man on fire, just 
working hard every day and wants to be the absolute best. And considering he was already getting open uh, in previous seasons, uh, I'm super excited to see what Jerry Judy does with a uh, with a future Hall of Fame quarterback. Yeah, Tim, I, I like the point. And and as you were speaking, two things came up in my mind, right? Like, so Judy's getting so open on tape. You're watching the L22, and, and that had to be so frustrating for Broncos fans. Meanwhile, that the past starter couldn't beat out Geno Smith for a job. So like, maybe there was a real problem at quarterback. And then as you're talking as well, too, like I thought of Odell's dad, putting the tape on Instagram of just how open Odell was and Baker Mayfield just missing him and missing him and missing him. Now Baker, he was hurt last year and he looks a little bit better already in Carolina. But uh, again, you could see where, where Odell wanted out and it certainly worked out for him and, until he suffered that injury in the Super Bowl. But uh, a quick follow-up question for you, because I think a lot of people are high on Cortland Sutton. Do you anticipate that Judy will outproduce Cortland Sutton then? I, you know what? I don't think so. Cortland Sutton, okay. that, that deep ball with Russell Wilson. Um, I, I'm pretty, pretty high on Cortland Sutton too. I think the Broncos have two great outside receivers. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they lost Tim Patrick, but I think Jerry Judy can play both. Um, and then you mix KJ Hamler in. I just think with, with Judy being open uh, as much as he is, and if Co- Cortland's uh, covered deep or something, Russell Wilson will likely have a lot of, uh, you know, we'll be able to see that uh, he has an open guy, whereas the previous quarterbacks here couldn't seem to find him for some reason. Okay. I mean, I like I like the picks here. My guy for 2022, and I think he's fairly well-known in the division, but I think there's been some struggles these past couple of years. The guy that stands out for me is a safety, Juan Thornhill. And I believe that Justin Reed has come in and is going to do that multiple um, – multiple role safety thing where, where sometimes he's going to be up. Sometimes he's going to be back Juan Thornhill to me is going to be that back end guy. And something that people forget is during that Super Bowl year before the chiefs went on to, to win it, he tore his ACL and what was still the last week of the season, week 17. And when he did, he was playing sort of his way into this high, high, high level of play elite level of play. And then you saw in 20 and 21, there was still this aspect of him getting his feet under him. And he revealed during training camp that he was still was having pain in the knee in 21. And for the first time in 22 during training camp, he just was pain free and truly felt like he did prior to the chiefs going on the run without him in the playoffs to go and win the super bowl. And he feels so confident in himself. He's guaranteeing an all pro season. And I'm not saying, okay, just because he said that he's going to have it, but I like the confidence and just to see what he did in 19, Still a young player at the age of 26. I think he's going to be next to a, a talented safety in Justin Reed, replacing Tyron Matthew. And I, I just think that, you know, maybe it won't be first team all pro, but I bet you he, he can get himself in the mix, especially if he does get some of those interception opportunities. He has had this nose for the football that we've seen in spurts. So I'm, I'm, I would say the risk I'm taking here is probably like a five or a six by being so high on Juan Thornhill. But I just think it's a it's somebody to watch a lesser known name. I think nationally and, and sometimes I think even around the division. All right. We have named our under the radar players. We have named our guys for 2022. We're going to go back around and we're trying to be honest here, everybody. So try to give it your, your best effort. We're naming what we think is our way too early division record predictions. So Bill, I don't think you've started so far. So we'll start with you. What will the Raiders oh, do? in the division when it comes to record. 
Yeah. Now, now all the goodwill that we've built over the last <laughs> half hour just out the window. That's right. right? Um, yeah. I, you know, I, I got my picks and it, it reflects to what we started the show with that this is going to be a power pack division. Um, yeah. These guys, these teams better win a lot of games out of division because if not, somebody's going to be that seven and 10 because they're going to lose some games in, in division. So th- I think that's really the key is the out of division games for these teams. You can't, you can't stumble uh, because the in division games are so important. Right. Um, I'm going to go, you know, it's almost like starting your power rankings for the new year with the Super Bowl champion. Uh, you know, the Chiefs have won the division, what, five, six years in a row. Um, so I'll go them with 12 wins until proven otherwise. Um, and then, you know, I've never, I haven't been accused of being a Raider homer often, so I shouldn't say this, um, not being a homer, but I think the Raiders are an 11-win team. I really do. And I can see them being a 12-win team. I, you know, I, I think there's Bill, a lot of so of, power uh, on this team. Of the, the, of the Raiders division games, of the six games, where, where do you see them going? I mean, that's a hell of a question. You know, I, I would say maybe uh, <laughs> to back up the 11 wins, let's go four and two. But I think they're, I think four every, like I said earlier, every division game is going to be ridiculous. If, if, oh, if yeah, the end I, year, I, we're going to see some things that don't make sense, you know, like, well, I, that team went four and two, but then they went, you know, I think it's going to be pretty wild. I completely agree. I mean, I think every matchup in this division is must watch. Uh, it's hard to argue that. And I think a, a lot of people, I remember that people would get sick of the NFC East games for years because the NFC East was the best division. And then people started to get sick of the NFC West games after a couple of years. This division's built to be the best division in football. And I think there are fans eventually, maybe I'm talking like two, three years down the road here, where there's going to be so many primetime games because they're so important. The teams are so good that they're going to be like, man, we're watching Chargers Raiders on primetime again. Like, I think right. that's what's in store for this division. Uh, coming up here so four and two bill you're saying that the raiders go uh let's go back to you tim uh what do you think the broncos go in the division well i for the broncos it's for me it's the tale of two 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 seasons really uh the first 11 games they have to stack wins because they're mostly out of conference they play the raiders twice and the chargers once um Mm -hmm. but they've got to get as close to 10 as they can in those 11 because the final six games we're talking at, at Baltimore, home games against the Chiefs and the Cards, at the Rams, at the Chiefs, and finishing at home against the Chargers. I mean, they could go and six there, you know, and still be right. competitive, and not like right, they're right. terrible. So it really is the path to the division is how many wins can they win before week 12 or week 13. Um, and then from there, they either win the division or they fight for a playoff spot. But as far as the AFC West, I mean – Everybody wants four and two in this division. So, you <laughs> yeah. know, it, it's, it's, it's hard to, they're going to win some and they're going to lose some. I just, I can't even predict. Um, that's why those out of conference games, like you said, are so important. They, they've got to, they've got to stack those wins early. They got to get as close to 10 wins out of the first 11 games as they can. And, you know, I think if they only win eight out of those first 11, I'm worried that they, they may be in the mix to be a, 10 win non-playoff team type situation. So that's where I'm at with the Broncos schedule. All right. So we have Raiders at four and two and Broncos at four and two as well. Mike, we'll go to you. Uh, I feel like I'm just going to go ahead and echo what everyone else is saying, right? Like everyone thinks their team is awesome. And it's because they are awesome. They did a lot of things to, to warrant the, the, the hype 
And I'd say for a record, a, a two-game win increase with the Chargers, I think, is like the bar. So going from, uh, would that be 9-8 and eight to 11-6? and six. So that's my bar for like a full record. Uh, in the division, I think 4-2 and two as well. I think specifically uh, a season split with the Chiefs and then a split with either of the Broncos or the Raiders. I think a mm-hmm. successful season, um, the Chargers will have to sweep at least one of the teams in the division. Um, and then when you look at like kind of uh, Tim was talking about a tale of two seasons, first half, second half, pre-buy, post-buy, like the Chargers, man, before the buy is it's pretty easy. They start kind of tough with the Raiders and Chiefs. Um, and if they, you know, split those one and one and then kind of win out uh, as much as possible to the buy, they're in a good place because once the buy comes back and I'll try to go through these really quickly, but you start off with the Falcons, which, you know, it isn't too bad, but then you run into Niners, Chiefs, Cardinals. Raiders, right. Dolphins, Titans, Colts, Rams, Broncos. And if you know, like if, if this run defense is not uh, much improved from a season ago, I mean, you're going to get run through with Derrick Henry and Jonathan Taylor in back-to-back weeks. And then you've got the Rams, which are still a good team, finish out with the Broncos. You know, that's a four-game gauntlet that's, you know, probably one of the worst in the NFL to, to end your season. So uh, I would say it's roughly the same thing. Let's go 11 wins uh, for the Chargers, 4-2 and two in the division. Yeah, and I, you know what? I think the division is so good that any any team that we cover here would take four and two and sign up for it in a second because I just think that gives you such an advantage. One of my takes has been, and I, I still, uh, you know, someone who covers the Chiefs, like, I can't pick against the Chiefs to to win the division. I think it's going to happen. But the annoying thing about being in the AFC West is, you know, maybe I'm not wrong about that. Maybe the Chargers are able to break through. Maybe the Raiders, Broncos, whatever. But I think the division is going to beat up on each other so much that when you have teams like the Bills and Bengals who have such a better path when it comes to in division mm-hmm. games and they can be five and one mm-hmm. and sometimes that makes the difference in seeding so i i think the afc west winner might be the third seed and what's annoying about that is they could be the best team and the third seed just because yeah. of the scheduling and that, that's what's really annoying i have the, the wild card yeah right right i mean i think it's a division where all four teams can make the playoffs we've never seen that before but now that seven teams exist i think it's it's possible certainly with this division i'm i'm feeling similarly I, you know, I've, I've been trying to sort of tell people here in Kansas City that even three and three would be good in the division. I, I think the Chiefs and, and sorry, Bill, I think they sweep the Raiders. They, you know, the Raiders have gotten one here and there over the years. But I think even with Adams, it's just hard for me to pick Carr over um, what would be Mahomes in any type of game. And then I think they split with the other two. And, you know, Tim, I'll, I'll be the first to say this. Like, I'm looking at Sunday, December 11th. And Denver is dying to beat Kansas City. I think we even feel that here. But it's Sunday night football. Everyone's watching. Like, that game to me is <laughs> – sorry, Chiefs fans that are listening to me. That's a loss for Kansas City. That's almost like a Super Bowl type of meaning for that city, and I think everyone's going to know it. It's just hard for me to pick the Chiefs for that game. And so I'll go 4-2, and two, but I wouldn't be stunned if it's 3-3 three and three really across the board. And, again, that leads me to that last point of how annoying is that when – you have a Josh Allen who's in the same conference here and he's playing Mac Jones and and Tua and Zach Wilson or Mike White like that should be six and no right that's it's it's not fair uh, when it comes to the conference seating but that is what it is and that's the beauty of the AFC West this has been a first episode of the AFC West mixtape once again we'll be doing this once a month the last Friday of every month trying to provide some insight around the division so let me get up a calendar here quick. The next time we will talk to you is Friday, September 30th. So 29 days from today, fellas, we will get back together 
Uh, so you got your under the radar players. You got our guys for 2022 and a really early record prediction when it comes to the AFC West. So thank you to Mike Peterson of Bolts from the Blue, Bill Williamson of Silver and Black Pride, and of course, Tim Lynch of Mile High Report. For those guys, my name is Pete Sweeney. This has been the AFC West Mixtape. Hi, I'm Neil Patel, host of Decoder, my show about big ideas and other problems. Right now on Decoder, we're doing a mini-series about one of the biggest ideas that's creating some of the biggest problems around, generative AI. Our series dives deep into some of the most pressing issues surrounding generative AI, with expert Verge reporters covering the cutting-edge frontier of the industry. How could copyright lawsuits completely upend large language models and image generators? How big a problem is AI-generated misinformation for the 2024 election? And what kind of impact are AI chatbots having on human relationships? Decoder's AI series will help you understand what's going on, why, and where it might go from here. Tune in every Monday and Thursday for new episodes of Decoder wherever you get your podcasts. Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure. It's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best, whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com.